Today, this week, we start a new series uh, called Peace by Peace, Building Our Faith One Brick at a Time. And so, uh, you know, it's a time of excitement and encouragement as we walk into this next season of the church and in our lives. And so as I've been praying and seeking, I just I feel like God wants to take us to this next journey of actually building our faith even deeper. You know, as we have learned more and more to to just be who we are with God instead of trying to um, like climb this 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 huge mountain of, of of righteousness that instead of letting him letting him take us there. Um, often what happens is that we forget that in being, that he doesn't just leave us there, but he, but he, actually, he actually takes us. And so we, we want to talk about kind of what does it look like to actually build these parts of faith in our lives. And, you know, and so when it comes to the idea of building our faith, some here may feel this idea of a weight, um, just kind of even that phrase, like feeling like, oh, I, you know, I have to grow in my faith. There's like this weight, there's this guilt. And I want to dispel that immediately because it's not about performance. It's not about trying to attain some unattainable goal. That's not what this is, and that's not what we're talking about. You see, it's actually liberating because when we experience a greater degree of faith, we experience a greater degree of freedom. So I want to encourage you to take this journey with a hopeful heart, kind of like starting a new Netflix series, you know? You're like, I've been waiting for this season for a long time, and I'm so excited to binge on this for the next three weeks. You know, that kind of hope. Or for some of you nerds, you know, you start, like, when you get that new book, you know, you're like, you're excited to start that new book. Well, we're getting ready to start the next chapter in, in our lives and lives of the church, and, and, and I'm excited to, uh, to start this journey. Now, some others may feel like they're strong in their faith, and that's great, but we all, we all have at least one thing that we know we have a deficit in. But we tend not to touch it because it feels like it's just something that's going to be that way forever. Does that sound familiar with anyone? And so I want to encourage you that there is nothing that we can't overcome, develop, or find new depths in. And so let's go to those places we've avoided for so long, and let's just see what God is going to do. And that's, and that's something that I've had to do in, in a lot of ways. Things are like, man, I don't know if this is ever going to get better. And it's just like, God had to come. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it can. So when it comes to faith, some, some definition is helpful. Um, faith is the expression of the kingdom of God in action. Okay? So what's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is God's sovereign over earth. That's what that means. His shalom. Everything made whole, made right, and made well on earth. So as we dive into building our faith piece by piece, we're talking about how we can see the kingdom of God enacted in our lives. Also the things that get away in the way of it being enacted in our lives and extended into our family, our community, and the world around us. And so when we're talking about faith and action, that's what we're talking about, the kingdom of God in action in our lives, not just this thing we know about, or this thing we understand, but this thing that actually is birthed in us and flows throughout us. All right, so let's start with this short parable to help us understand not just faith, but our faith. Luke 13, 18 to 21. Then Jesus said, oops. Then Jesus said, 
What is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make its nests and its branches. He also asked, what else is the kingdom of God like? It is like a yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in and three measures of flour, we have permeated every part of the dough. In this parable, in these two illustrations, Jesus is describing a key principle of the kingdom of God, a key principle of our faith, which is this. We can have the smallest amount, and it could bloom into the biggest thing. That all we need is a little, and he can take that little, that little bit of grit, that, that, that little bit of yeast goes into all the flour. That tiny little seed grows so tall, birds can perch in it. That all we need is a little. So we're going to come back to this parable a few times, so keep this story in mind. Have you ever been so overwhelmed with something you don't even know where to start? You know, it's just like you have so much to do or a project so big, you're just like, I, I know there are times I'm just like, you just kind of sit there and you're like, I have so much to do, I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> you know that feeling? Because you're just like, I don't, I don't even know. You know, and so just throw on friends and just kind of escape for a little bit <laughs> until you can figure out what to do. So I know when that happens for me, what I have to continue to do is like begin at the beginning. <laughs> Right? I was like, okay, just start from the start. Let's take this one piece. <laughs> Let's do this one thing. And next thing you know, it all gets done. But in that initial stage, it feels like it's just too much. And so it is with building our faith. The thing about starting with one piece at a time is that we have to figure out what that piece is. And then we actually have to start. <laughs> like, procrastination is a real thing, right? Something like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's a real thing, right? And so we have to know what that is. It's like, okay, I'm going to actually do this. Because so, that overwhelming feeling, that feeling of like this is too much, that stops us from actually engaging in so many ways. When actually if we would just take that first step, man, we can actually get to the places that we're looking for and get to the places we're seeking. Let's look at Mark 4, 35 to 41. Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. Other boats followed along, gale force winds arose, and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat, sleeping on a pillow. And uh, the rest of this didn't make it, so I'm going to pull it up. And this ancient thing called a Bible. So, good thing I studied and actually know where it is and you know, I don't have to go to like the table of contents, right? <laughs> All right. So, but Jesus was in the rear of the boat sleeping on a pillow. So there's gale force winds. There's oh, this boat. They're in this huge storm. And then, the disciples woke up, and they went to the teacher. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? 
When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have faith yet? Does this story sound familiar at all? Like, in your own lives, your own experience, the waves are all around you. You feel like you're about to drown. You're like, Jesus, don't you care? Where are you? And Jesus is like, okay, you're being a little extra. Calm down. <laughs> like, relax. It's actually going to be okay. Bam, when stop over. <laughs> if this does sound familiar, it's okay. We're in good company. The very disciples had the same response, right? But it's a starting point. That's the important thing. We have a starting point. And uh, Zechariah in the Old Testament, one of the prophets, they, um, he was prophesying about the building of the temple. And God says to Zechariah in, in chapter 4, he said, don't despise small beginnings. See, all the people around them were saying, you're never going to build this temple. It's never going to happen. This project is too big. And God said, don't despise small beginnings. Many of us have areas where our faith is strong. We also have areas where our faith is weak. This isn't about whose is better. Rather, it's about what part of my faith needs to grow. Where is my faith reflective of the story we see of the storm? How can I move forward in seeing it built into something robust? We start small. I'm always fascinated by architecture. I'm by no means an architect. <laughs> but I'm always fascinated by like these beautiful structures. This right here is the Hadar uh, Aliyev Center. Like, it's one of the most beautiful structures in the world. Like, it's gorgeous. This is in Azerbaijan. And you know what it started with? A line. It started with one line that the architect drew that turned into that. You know Beethoven's Ninth Symphony? one of the greatest pieces of music ever. You know what it started with? A piece of paper. A piece of paper that turned into one of the most foundational pieces of music and Christian liturgy. So we start by knowing where we are. But we have to be honest about that. And that's the last thing so many of us want to do because it's the last thing our culture wants to do is be honest with where our faults lie. Be honest with where we are weak. To be honest about where we are lacking. And the reason is because often what comes with that is shame. But in, in Christ, there is no shame. Often what comes to that is like we try to justify, oh, I'm weak here because of this. And, and Christ, we don't have to justify because we're justified by our faith. That's what it says in Romans. 
We are justified by our faith. So we don't have to be afraid of acknowledging our weakness because what does it say in our weakness? He is strong. So let's be true and be aware. Okay, I am weak in this area, and and, and this is where I'm going to build. And once we've established that in our hearts, we can begin examining what areas in our faith need growth. A good place to start is with identifying any fear or pride. You know, fear makes sense. I think you guys recognize that, right? But you might be asking, why pride? Well, how does pride relate to an area of faith that is, that is, that is shallow? See, because pride demonstrates a part of us that we don't believe is good enough. And so in order to not touch it like a hot stove, we, just, we display pride. However, if we let Christ into that place, we can discover, we can trust him with our deepest insecurities. Because that's at the root of what pride is, is, is insecurity. And so as we actually bring that to him, we actually can build our faith in who he made us and who he is creating us to be. But it takes time to build that trust. And that's another indication of somewhere to begin, trusting God or, or especially others. Are we inauthentic in any of our relationships? That's a sign of lack of trust in God, and, and God wants to build that. But he wants to build it his way. So we take that one thing, whatever that is, and we all have it. My, trust me, we all have it. <laughs> right? But we take that one thing and, we, and we, we, we take it for a period of time. And the reason why I say a period of time is because that window gives us a point to look forward to. And it helps us hold us to the commitment we're making to grow in Christ. You know what I mean? So by having this, this, this window, it's like, you know what, I want to grow in this area. Again, we're not talking about like forced growth. We're saying like, I, I, want, to, I want to get here and I'm going to commit to that. God's going to honor that. And so by, by like actually making that commitment, he'll, he'll guide us there. And so to start, we ask God what he sees. One of my favorite and at the same time most difficult Psalms is Psalm 139, 23. Search my heart, God, and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's one of my favorites, but dang, I don't want to be praying that sometimes right? Like, search me, but not really. (laughs) Show me just the good things. Search me, no, I'll take it back. (laughs) Let's let's do the search next week. (laughs) But to actually just say, okay, search me. Tell me what my heart really is, God. I'm ready. And he will. But he responds with gentleness and kindness, not with judgment and condemnation. And so when you hear what he's saying, if it's gentle and kind, it makes us want to move forward. If it's judgmental and condemning, it's not him. It's someone else that has lied to us, and that's just what's coming out. And so we start here. We ask and we pray and 
God will respond. And so we give space for hearing that response. That space can be quiet time before God in prayer. That space can be in the car silently. That space can be as you're reading, but being able to listen in and being ready to receive and not to dismiss it, not to just justify it away. Like, I know that's what I've done. It's like, I'm like oh, no, I don't, that's not really a problem. You know, it's like, it's this, this innocent, quick thing we do, right? But if we can actually recognize that and not do that, we can actually see this growth happen. No, I'm kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but you still follow me so far? Okay. And so our work here is to stay focused. We talked about this principle of a seed. Our faith, no matter how small it is, will grow as we break out of our hyper-realism and enter into the mindset of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom multiplies. It doesn't add. So this thing, I love logic and clear equations, okay? That's just the way that my mind works. That's the way that God made me. And it's just, I mean, there's a few, there's a, there's a few scientists and engineers in here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Just, I love like, okay, two plus two is four. You know, I, I love physics because it actually, it, it makes sense. Math makes sense of the world. But, but God is like, Jeremy, sometimes two plus two isn't four. Sometimes two plus two is 5,000. Sometimes I take this little thing and blow it up. Sometimes when you just give me a chance, I will show you something you have never seen before. And I've seen it. But I have to give space for it. And we all do. Because when we give space for it, then we can see it more and more and more. And so there's often I have to break out of my narrow logic and just say, God, I am trusting you with this. Because on paper, it doesn't make sense. Because that's where the storm comes in, right? We are going to drown. Gale force winds. We all know what that means. Translation, we gonna drown. That's the logic. That is a perfectly sound, logical response. Jesus was also very calm and sound and logical in his response. Wind stopped and it was over. How do you think that could happen in our lives? What can he say to us in our lives? Okay, that's over with. That person is healed. On and on and on, just like that. That story in Zechariah I shared about don't despise small beginnings as they were starting that project. You know what he said right after that? He said, it is not by force. It is not by strength. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord. It is not by power. It is not through doing everything right and being perfect. It is not how much 
I can get done. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what's going to get this done. God's grace is unforced. There's this one line from Eugene Peterson, who's this, this, this scholar and, and, and spiritual director, and he's, also, he's the one who wrote the message Bible. He says, God's unforced rhythms of grace. It's just, it just happens once we get out of the way. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have any work to do. Yes, we have work to do. Our work is to stay focused, to stay connected, to stay tied to Jesus, to take these steps. But our work actually isn't in making it happen. Our faith is built as we rely on him and not on ourselves. So it's a bit of a catch-22. We can't rely on him if we don't trust him, right? Because you're just like, I mean, let's, let's be real. Like, we can say, I re- you know, we rely on someone, but it's like, if, but if we don't trust them, then we don't actually rely on them. So what do we do? We, we can't trust him until we learn how to rely on him. So we have this, we have this catch-22. So we start with where we are. What is the tiniest bit of trust you have? Just the tiniest and he'll multiply that. That symphony I was talking about, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, that major piece of music in, 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 in our history, you know that Beethoven wrote it when he was nearly deaf? He was nearly completely deaf when he wrote that piece. And he just chose to operate out of faith because, in his words, God had called him to do this. <laughs> he had a calling on his life. And I think, I mean, you, you can appreciate a little bit like what it's like to have to, to uh, you know, what it would have to be like to like go deaf. Like I think we can all can, can appreciate how hard that would be. Only a a few of you can understand really the depths of that as musicians. Like, what it means to actually lose the very thing that makes you who you are. And he lost that. And yet, he responded with what little he had that one-tenth of hearing that he had to create something that would change things. Focus and movement is key. The story of the disciples caught in the storm we looked at earlier came just after Jesus spoke of the parable of the mustard seed. A little bit of irony there. One thing you realize as you study more of Jewish culture, there's a lot of irony. It's not about where we lack. It's about taking whatever we have and moving forward with it. You remember the story of Jesus walking on water? 
right? It's, I mean, popular Christian story. And so Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come and I'll come, which I don't fully understand, but Peter was just like had all kind of faith in, right? And so he walks out the boat and he's walking on water. It's amazing. And then he sees the waves. There's just something about <laughs> waves and water that just freaks everybody out. <laughs> he sees the waves. He gets worried and he falls in and Jesus pulls him up. He's like, master, save me. Jesus pulls him up. He's like, Peter, why would you have so little faith? So often we read that and we're like, oh, Peter, you are so little faith. Like this judging, condemning. That's not Jesus. That's not how he's saying it. Like, Peter, what happened, dude? It's all right, man, let's go. That's how Jesus responds. And as he responds, Peter's fate was built. He didn't stay where he was. But he started where he was by walking out onto that water. And here's the result. One of the results, Acts 5, 14 and 15. Uh, 14 and 15. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. After that moment in the water, not too long after, Peter was just killing it. Like after Jesus went back and, and they started the church, everywhere Peter went, like the kingdom of God was coming and people were being healed. All these things were happening. So much so that people actually went out into the street, placed their mat on the street, not hoping that, you know, they would just run into people, just hoping that his shadow, that his shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. His faith went from here to here in just a little while, in just a few years. Why can't it be the same for us? Why can't we have that same kind of growth and development in our faith? I don't see why not. And so with that, I want to look at one final thing. I'm going to give you more, some more paradox right now. <laughs> you know, in the parable of the mustard seed, we start with this seed, and it grows into this large tree, right? We start with this little bit of yeast, and it turns into all this flour and becomes bread. And you know what all that takes? They all have something in common. Time. It takes time. It requires patience. Which nothing 
around us likes time or patience. But if we can be patiently waiting and walking and staying connected, staying focused with patience, we will see it happen. One of the biggest journeys of my, of my life this last year, actually the last couple of years, has been to stop being so goal-oriented. To stop, to stop being so focused on the end that I'm missing what God is doing on the journey. To stop being so focused on the destination and missing how God is leading me all throughout. Because the end will come. We don't have to worry about that. But what matters is that in between. And so that patience, that, that waiting, with that focus, with that connection, will bring us there. All right? All right, let's look at some practical tips. Identify one area in your faith you want to start building slowly. Reflect on what has stopped you from pursuing this particular area before and what has stopped you from going deeper, i.e. fear, pride, etc. Create a plan to remain focused and intentional. Ask someone in your VC or someone else you trust to help you remain on the path. Number two, read Psalm 139, verse 23, every day this week. Now, when you start reading it, you might be like, I'm going to read it, but I'm not actually going to ask God to do it, <laughs> right? Like, I'm going to read, search me, O oh God, and know my anxious thoughts, but I'm not actually going to pray it. But as you read it and meditate it on Monday, then on Tuesday, then on Wednesday, and, and, your, and your intentions change, and you're ready, you'll start to pray it. You'll start to want it. Listen for a response with humility, and ask God to draw you closer. All right, let's stand. As we get ready for communion, I want to encourage you to to be silent and listen for what God is saying to you right now. To respond and come to the table remembering Christ's sacrifice, but also remembering his redemption. Remembering all that he gave up for us. Not out of, of guilt or obligation, but out of love. And in that space, begin to search your own heart for how you want to respond to that love. 
And so we want to experience that love of Jesus and respond out of that in the same way. As we reflect in silence and prayer and in worship. So we practice open communion here. There are two stations up front and, and, and one on the back. And so if you just feel compelled to come to the table to meet Jesus, we want to welcome you to partake in communion with us. And if this is your first time doing so, we ask that you come and pray with someone on our prayer team, and they'd love to pray with you.